right, not too bad, Jeremy. Um, two weeks from our last podcast instead of like four weeks. Is that right? Two weeks? I don't know, man. These days are running together. I know that I saw you at the stadium. Yeah. Um, I know I haven't seen you on Sports Extra on Sunday last two yeah. weeks. I was uh, in New York visiting J.J. Watt as he made his debut on the set of the NFL Today. So we went to New York on Thursday, did the interview with J.J. in the morning on Friday, and then they did their rehearsals at 2.30 that afternoon. And then I was back on a plane in the morning to come uh, return to Houston on Saturday. I had a story at 7 a.m. news on Sunday, another one at 10 p.m. on Sunday, and then another portion of my interview Sunday night on Sports Extra this past Sunday. If you want to see the entire thing, it's on uh, KHOU 11 Plus, our uh, streaming channel for free on Roku and Fire TV, and I think it's also on YouTube. So, um, yeah, I didn't mean to butt in, but yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> um, no, look, good for JJ. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting time. Anytime somebody tries to transition, he's obviously transformed Houston in lots of different ways. That impact is probably permanent, right, on the city. And um, no, I mean, you know, it's good you guys get to do that. You're on a little bit of a run, I would say, with yeah. some of these interviews that you've had. Yeah, I had Pretty James much. Harden after his uh, comments in China. Uh Simone Biles, and then obviously this uh, exclusive, it was an exclusive with James Harden, talked to Simone Biles a couple of weeks ago, and then this exclusive with JJ. So um, teamwork, man, only Good. it only happens, only happens with, uh, with teamwork, you know, it doesn't, uh, doesn't happen without it. So um, David Stearns is the big news on this September 12th. You're rolling your eyes. I don't have you... Um, on speaker view, but I'll just give a play-by-play. You're rolling your eyes. David Stern's heading to the Mets. We've talked a lot about David Stern's in the past. What is your uh, initial reaction? I mean, this was expected, right? Like, this was something that seemed to be rumored for some time. It was either going to be the Mets or the Astros. You know, David Stern's going to the Mets is as much a surprise as saying Houston is hot. You know, I mean, it, this isn't really a very a difficult thing. Two years ago, someone you may know, may know well, predicted this, even called the Epler and Stearns dynamic, how that was going to ladder, um, you know, what where that was going to fit, when that was going to happen. And of course, you know, you're, of course, of course, you know, they shut it down right away. Oh, no, no, it's not going to happen. We have no interest in David Stearns. And, you know, we're all just kind of sitting back like this. You know, because you knew it was a matter of time. I mean, look, there's it goes. It's pretty deep. I mean, Epler and Stearns are friends. You know, I mean, there's other ways to to go about this that I'm not going to blow up because it's not for me to do that. But, you know, Atanasio wasn't real happy. And, you know, Stearns had to go sit out of here. It was like, you go sit in the corner and then we'll let you see what happens later. You know, Dave, so David Stearns went to the Mets and other news. Water is wet. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just it's this isn't really hard to see. And. Um, you know, he inherits the mess. I mean, that's what it is. It's the mess. It is It is different. It is not um, running properly. There's certainly opportunities for him to go in there and, and have some impact. I, I, I'm interested to see what happens with the bigger, pay, uh, you know, um, uh, wallet because, you know, you got guys like Hein Bloom and you got guys like, um, well, you know, just that type of, of Andrew of, Friedman. 
Well, yeah, I'm not not so much him because he's been he's been in L.A. and you know he's had good players. They haven't gotten over the hump, which has been more about you know paralysis by analysis in the postseason as opposed to the talent they've had on the rosters. But you know you look around the league and some you know that small market stuff don't necessarily work with the in the big city. You have to be able to make the adjustment or the, or the big the big paychecks. You know, what I mean the big the big wallets. So we'll see what happens. But it's it's about the most least surprising thing I've heard in the last decade is David Stern's becoming the president of operations of the Mets. Now Jeremy making me go back into the extra bases archives to pull up the to go find that to go find those clips about Jeremy mentioning David Stern's and the Mets, and then I've got to insert the little it was we you know the little re the 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 wheel of uh tape and the taking a step back into time so i actually i wonder if this is really the best time for david stearns i almost think that because of the failure of the mets this year with that major major payroll i wonder if he's actually stepping into a situation that it's the perfect situation for him because what is he known for? He's known for doing more with less and granted less for the Mets right now would is a lot more than what less is for the Brewers, but he never had what you would call an above average payroll in Milwaukee. Uh, looking here, someone crunched the numbers. I think he averaged 87 wins. I think his first two seasons, he had one of the lowest payrolls in baseball when he was there. So in some ways, Jeremy, I actually think this this all kind of worked out perfectly for him because he can come in and save the day after this debacle they've had with those big contracts and he can do it on a quote unquote budget. You know, let's uh, let's let's talk about David Stearns a little bit. And, you know, I'm a big believer in keeping history, you know, accurate. Right. Let's keep it the facts. When David Stearns went over to the Brewers in 2015. Um, they had a very full cupboard, much like Luno inherited in, in, in Houston, um, with, from the work of Ray Montgomery and some of the other guys that had been there from the scouting department, right? Um, I obviously was leaving Seattle around that time, so I was very much familiar with the Brewers and what they had done, having left there in 2011. You know, Jack Sorensic and Bruce Side and then, and, you know, and then Ray, um, you know, in, in that order, built a, a perennial scouting powerhouse. They just did. And Stearns went in there and he brought in Matt Arnold. And so he had a lot to work with when he got there to help the big league club get over the hump. Um, they made the postseason. They didn't quite get over the hump. And that's, you know, they didn't win, they didn't win any World Series unless they missed the parades. And I'm not running the Brewers down when I say that. I'm just saying that um, that's the truth of when he got there. The scouting staff from Ray Montgomery is very similar. And the, and the cupboard that was full of prospects is very similar to what happened with Bobby Heck and the Houston Astros, and then Jeff Luno inheriting there. Now, I'm not certainly comparing the two guys, so I'm not comparing the cultures, and I'm not tying those two together. What I am saying is, is that over time, scouting over there, no matter what they tell you, was marginalized and minimized. That's a fact. I can, I'm can. i just telling you that directly. If you look at the amount of guys... Under that, David Stearns, it was marginalized. Uh, yep, under David Stearns and under Matt Arnold, it doesn't... It was marginalized. It became much more analytically inclined which is their choice but as far as the subjective evaluation role prediction and in player development and in player development they went backwards now they were able to have enough guys in the big leagues and if you remember my thing about gms and how long it takes to really see what you can do i said it doesn't take five years it takes seven right david stearns got in there in 2015 his first year as a gm was 16 
Yes, he had the offseason in 15, but he's really in 16. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. That's seven years. And then he steps aside for 23, goes and sits in a corner as a special assistant, and then goes to the Mets. And really the Mets have been after him for, for 24 months, right? So Davis Stearns, for me, is still very much an enigma. I understand what he does. I understand he's got a good ideas. I'm certainly not saying he's not talented. And I want to say again that I'm not comparing him to Jeff Luno and the culture that was here, although he did work for Jeff Luno before he went to Milwaukee. What I am saying is I got to see the guy do something that's on his own. And in New York, well, with although Billy Epler made some pretty good trades to restock the system, you know, and, and, he, and they have drafted well at the top of the draft. They haven't really done a lot in, with their depth, and that's a fact, and they know it, and they move some guys around uh, to try to have better impact on the depth side of the draft. But Mark Tremuda and Tommy Tanis did a great job at the top of the draft. Um, I, thought, I thought Drew Toussaint had a good draft this year, you know, in, in his spot. We'll see what he's able to do. A lot of these players are further away. We'll see how development functions under Billy Epler as the GM, which is really what he's going to be doing is development scouting. Um, and then we'll find out what David does as, as the president of baseball option, how he ties it together to make a winner. Because I'll tell you this, you don't win in New York. That's going to be an issue. I don't care if you're the Mets or the Yankees, you better win. I will say the Brewers before David Stearns got there had some, I mean, I, you you said the cupboard was full and it might've been, I don't, I'm just looking at the drafts like 13 Devin Williams was their first pick in the second round. He turned out to be okay. He's okay. Uh, Taylor Williams, Barrett Aston, Garrett Cooper. 15. I think their first round, excuse me, 14. The first round draft pick was Cody Medeiros. Yeah. I remember that. So they were having some struggles drafting in my opinion, at that time. Not so much for depth. Okay. You know, they, had, they, had a, they had a good job of balancing, and I know those guys' philosophy at the time really well. The 14 was, was Medeiros, Jake Gatewood, Monty Harrison, Cy Sneed, Troy Stokes. Brandon Woodruff was pretty good. 2014, 11th-round pick. Yes. Yeah, so so in that draft, we're talking about ceiling, 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 ceiling. Medeiros, big arm, 97, Monty Harrison, jump through the roof, ceiling. I had those guys up way up on my board too, right? Okay. High school players with upside. You had guys in the big leagues that were still performing, and you had a chance to go get some younger kids to restock it that would, in theory, arrive at the time when those other guys got out of, you know, got out of their contract. So, um, you know, Ray Montgomery for a long time was a GM candidate. For a long time. It was a hot name in, in it. And, and uh, you know, while I wasn't in the conversations in Milwaukee with him, I can tell you that, um, not once, but twice in this industry was he considered to be a general manager um, uh, in waiting. And once was in Arizona, that job went to Dave Stewart. And then once was in Milwaukee and that job went to David Stearns. Right. So um, I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that the way they drafted his track record as well has been pretty good. You know, it would be debatable between, you know, the eye of the beholder, I guess, as far as, you know, Bobby and, and, and and uh and Ray, as far as what they turned out, Bobby, of course, has been very illustrious with multiple organizations. I, I would say this. I'd say Ray, uh, at, you know, he was it wasn't like they walked in empty at all. They didn't walk in empty. There were players in the system, and there were guys that didn't necessarily turn out as well. You know, Corey Ray is another guy who went, I want to say he was in 15, right? Does that sound right? 2015 first round. Uh the outfielder. Yeah. And I loved him in, in high school. We drafted him in high school and he was the right pick out of Louisville and it didn't work. Right. So, um, you know, in any event, just, it didn't seem to work. And whether it was scouting or development over there, who knows, but 
what I can tell you is the scouts over there at the time were very, 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 very talented. Corey Ray was the first round pick in 2016. 16. Yeah. Fifth overall selection. There you go. Here's something that I wish we had talked about much, much earlier in the season because it would make one of us look very good. I mean, Jeremy, you look good regardless or I mean, irregardless. There was something I found very interesting interesting at the beginning of the season. Ethan Salas, catcher, Padres, goes to big league camp, 16 years old, full season baseball. And I'm thinking, wow, this guy, in my opinion, is probably a top 15 prospect just because of what the where the Padres have him and what he's doing and you know, I don't know if it's going to work out, but I got to put him in my top 15 if I had to do it right now. And maybe that's just being overly um, buying into the hype. MLB.com had him at 86. He's now 17 years old. He's made double A. He's now up to number five. He plays a premium position. Why were people so low on him at the beginning of the season? I would think just the fact that he was catching big league spring training games at 16, that tells you something. That told me all I needed to know that this guy has to be one of the top 15, 20 prospects in baseball. That's just my opinion. Or am I being too too heavy, too, too heavy on my um, hype? No, you're right. I, I, you know, I think that we do a lot people do a lot in this game of trying to figure out um trying to figure out that it ought to be proven before they go ahead and put them on the board right everything's got to be i know it it's obvious i see it oh yeah i love this guy well did you love him before he was that obvious because the padres did right i mean did you where, where were you on that right so i think i think you were you hit the nail on the head there's a lot of indicators that he'd be talented I don't know that you've seen this fast of a rise for a catcher at that age since Pudge Rodriguez. I think that's probably the the, the most recent one. I don't know if we've seen a, a riser like that at any position at that well, age. Well, Pudge Rodriguez made the big leagues at 19. Yeah. And this guy's on that type of track, certainly as a catcher. Um, you know, for all we know, he's there at 18. If he's in double A at 17, he tears it up. I mean, San Diego and exactly, you know, went in the West, right? So I mean, there's a couple of things they can do over there that might impact um, – well, he can maybe impact them, but you know, it, the reality is that he's, he's on a, a very accelerated development track. He's, you know, 17 years old. He's a, he's plays a premium position, everything you said. And I think that people just want to see it, you know, play out first. Now, you know, I think for me, I would have been with you. I, I don't know if I would have gone to five, you know, or 15, but I certainly would have been higher than 86. I think that's a pretty, pretty good indicator that he's better than 86 on the list. And, you know, but again, I don't rank him. I don't have a, I don't have a dog in the fight when it comes yeah, to that. I don't I either. after the fact. So, do you have um, any experience with him? Salas, no, no. But I, I've seen enough and talked to those guys whether or not they feel about him. You know, he's down, he's down the road, really, in, in San Antonio, right? Yep, Isn't that where yep. they are? Yep. Know, Robbie Snelling's over there as well, one of our guys. So maybe it's worth the trip to before the season ends to get down there and see him. Well, it's actually, that's next week, right? The clock's ticking. <laughs> you better get down there or over I there. I ain't gonna make it. Um, you're right, though. Pudge, 91, comes in at 19. And the very next year at the age of 20, he's an all-star. Yep. So, you know, that type of track is pretty rare. Salvador Perez got there pretty fast. Um, I don't remember what age he got there, but he's been there seemingly forever. Please was... hold. I'll get it. Okay. <laughs> Please hold. 
Salvador Perez got there at the age of 21. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, some guys, some of these guys get there early. Um, this guy is going to get there really early and it should be fun to watch. Also another, um, I don't say friend of the program, another, uh, well, friend of your program, Cam Collier. Oh yeah. It's been a bit of a struggle at the age of 18 in the Florida state league, 246, six homers, 68 runs driven in OPS of 705 and 106 strikeouts in 111 games. Your level of concern for this 18-year-old and where he is at his stage in the development. I don't have one. He's 18. Should be a senior year in high school. Instead, he hits 250 in the in the in a in a full season league and um has enough you know, to indicators of strength and, and to show he's gonna be able to play, play pretty good defense. I have no no issue with Cam Collier at 18 years old and in, in A ball. That's what I figured. Just wanted to, you know, I like to update our, I like to update, do a little update on the prospects from time to time. Where, um, what's Drew Jones doing? Drew Jones. Drew Jones, Diamondbacks, second overall in the 2022 draft. The son, obviously, of Andrew Jones. Drew Jones is 19 years old. He is in, he's played for three teams this year. Right now he appears to be, and he's in the California league. That's low A. Is it Visalia? Visalia, I think. Visalia, yeah. Uh, He's right now at 238, two homers, 12 runs driven in. That's in uh, 29 games. Where was he before that? Uh, He was in the... Arizona Complex League. Yeah, about right. So there, there's an example of somebody who's 18 years old, should be a senior in high school, that skipped now a year. No, I'm not talking about Drew Jones. Oh, I can. Okay. Yeah. Skipped a year, went to junior college, which would, would have been his um, junior year because he's already aged up. Would have been his senior year, but he's aged up, right? So he's he's uh, he's a young first class in the first place. Plays really well in a junior college, gets stolen by the Reds at, what, 18, I think it was, pick 18, and then goes out in a full-season league at what age-wise should be a senior year in high school and goes ahead and does this. I, I, I think we're fine. I think we're okay. Crunching the numbers, and we talked about this on KHO 11 News Sports Extra. Yes, that's where we talked about it. I crunched the numbers for all of the Astros' home records during this golden age or golden era of Houston baseball right now the big thing around Houston is this team is not playing well at home other than Dusty Baker's lineups this is the other talking point is that this team is not playing well at home entering Tuesday night September 12th action they were 37 and 36 that's a 507 winning percentage so one game over 500 Consider that in 2022, they had a 679 winning percentage, 21, a 630 winning percentage, 741 in 2019. Now, in 2018, they had a 568. They were 46 and 35. They had 48 wins out of uh, 81 games. So 48 and 33, 593 winning percentage in 2017. So if they were to finish at one game over 500 for this season, that would put them at 41 wins, right? That's five less 
than their worst record on my board here. And maybe, yeah, I'll have the graphic up. And think of what five wins right now would do for this team in this race for the American League West, this dogfight with Texas and Seattle. And that's, it doesn't sound like a lot, but based on this season and how slim the margins are, margins of error for Houston, think of what those five wins well, might mean. Well, for it does say it is a lot because if you have the five games, what's Houston up? A game and a half? I thought it was up? two. Two up. Okay, so they're two up. So if the records are the same in Seattle and Texas have what they have, those five games, just leave them where they are. It doesn't matter who those wins are against, right? Those five games put them up seven games. Potentially. That's a, big, that's a big difference, right? Even if you have two of those games, that's a big difference. Four games is different than two. Two games can be eaten up in a day and a half. That's that's a day and a half of not bad baseball, you know, and, not playing. And what did you tell me a couple of weeks ago? What you saw, because we 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 mentioned this on the air, didn't we? What you yeah, saw? It was, it was a week ago. We talked about it. What I saw is that when these guys are at home, they come out the clubhouse and they are swarmed. They're talking to everybody. There's guys all over the place in front of the dugout. There's people in my home plate. You know, and I got to give these guys credit for being good guys and, and saying hello to these people and shaking hands. But I saw Jeremy Payne come out the dugout the other day, a couple bats and his glove. Or it might you might yeah go bats in his glove and he just he was ready to go work and somebody immediately grabbed him and turned around hey can you talk to these guys and the look on his face was I'm just trying to go get some work in hi how are you good to see you you know what I mean but for half a second if you know what it looks like you're seeing it and again credit to these guys they'll never say it and they'll ne they shouldn't have to say it because they're trying they're good people as as a whole I know some some Astros haters don't want to hear that. But these guys in this clubhouse are good people. They're good people, and they want to be part of that stuff. And they're around talking to these guys, um, to these fans, the best they can. But they, when they're home, they need to go play. Enough of the distractions. they got to go play baseball. And they're not necessarily getting that, right, necessarily getting that. So that has to me, that may have something to do with them being worn down at home and not playing well. Um, is a little bit of I don't have time to get settled into my routine. On the road, they know what to expect. People are going to boo them. People are going to chant. They'll throw toy buzzers on the field. You know what I mean? They'll do all kinds of stuff. But they're not going to bother them for autographs and time because they're hated. So all they have to do is just go play baseball and focus and they lock down. At home, everybody wants a piece of them. And he, I would, I'll tell the city of Houston, if you want these guys to be as good as they can, back off. I said this before another way. Stop making their life difficult other places. Well, stop making it difficult. Let these guys play baseball. I promise you they'll love you, love you back as much as you love them. They're, they're good guys and they feel it. But, you know, they'll never say this. And I'm certainly not speaking for anybody. That was an observation that I saw. And, I, you know, a couple guys walked up and said hello to me. I'm not going to get into who. And it was um, had a few minutes. And I said, go play. Go play. And they said, all right. You know, and they, just went, they went to go work. So um, that's where they, that's where we at with that. I think that has a lot to do with the effect at home. Because when you turn on the radio in Houston, there is a lot of discussion about what what's wrong with the Ast the Astros at home. What's wrong? And you know, some people think, oh, it's you know, they just they get all those that hate on the road, and it fuels them, and they're angry, and they want to win. And rah. I just think it's really interesting your observation because I had another member uh, who is within this building who was at a game um, and said, you know, I I. I think there might be something to what Jeremy's saying because he saw 
everything which was going down pregame, all the autographs. I mean, when Jeremy Pena comes out of the 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 entrance uh, onto the field, it's almost like it's almost like he is the lead singer of a rock band. Women shriek, girls shriek for him. It is crazy. Um, well, all of these guys, Jose Altuve. I mean, the number of people they have to deal with, and the number of autograph seekers and people who want pictures. Listen, I know it's part of the job, and they they um, they take that responsibility seriously. But sometimes you gotta look around and just say, as this person told me today, maybe enough's enough. Like, can we dial it back a little bit? And again. This is not what they're saying. We haven't heard this. This is just yeah, an observation. And when you're trying to figure out what is wrong, maybe this has something to do with it. Maybe. Now, I'm sure Astro's Twitter is going to go off, Tice, uh, uh, Jeremy, when I post this on X and listen, Twitter. People they, listen, post this. The day ends in a Y, Astro's Twitter is going to go off about something. Okay? I don't care what it is. Like put, Make sure you put that out there. Hi, from me. Day ends in a Y. Astros Twitter is going to lose their mind about something inconsequential. It's just the way it is. They're going to twist something around and everybody's abusing them and people are beating up on them. And there's going to be some, I don't know, maybe some radio host out there who's going to decide he's going to go ahead and stoke the fire. You know, we're going to stir it up and make some stuff up and throw that out there because we're Astros Twitter. So we got, knock it off. I don't care. Reality is that's what went, that's what went down. And I'll say this for you too, Jason, you know, with Jeremy, if you're a brown skinned person named Jeremy, sometimes they, 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 they shriek for you. Sometimes they scream, just saying, comes with the territory, you know, and, and, and Jeremy Pena, you understand oh it, God. you know, I feel your pain. It is what it is. So just saying it has happened before. It's kind of a common thread between us, brown skin Jeremy's. There are other ones out there as well. They will tell you the truth. So, you know, outside of that, I, I'm with you, but you know, some of that just comes with the territory. And now that I think about it, they don't get that during the postseason. The people that are on the field, media reporters right. and yes those that's another dynamic but for the most part those guys there's a lot of people i'm not saying that i mean there's a lot of people we've seen it we've experienced it we've been through the thick of it but it's it's everybody's for the most part has something to do and they're not getting pulled and requests for autographs and this and that so when they get to the postseason, it might actually help them at home in some way. But yeah, that's just... it's just it's it's different in the postseason than in the regular season. But you got to get through the postseason, get to the postseason. You got to get through the regular season. So you know, let, let's hope they can get shaken off last couple of weeks and and get into the. They'll get in. Yeah, you know what they do in the postseason is going to be interesting. I mean, we talked about unless the Rangers turn it on, they're just mentally beaten. And we talked about them running out of gas in September a couple. Well, of they're times. in second place as of right now. And Seattle went games. the other direction; they haven't had it right. I mean, so you know, some of this stuff is, is has to be built to sustain. Um, but I, I think it's a lot closer than anybody would have liked. All right, Jeremy, uh, what's uh, up for you um, coming up here? We got we got uh, future star series had some major steps forward i'm not going to talk about what they are right now because it's inappropriate to do so we're going but i will say we're going to prime event season so got a couple events in nashville this weekend that are signature style i'll be back to see you at the ballpark on sunny monday or tuesday uh, of next week um got some meetings next wednesday in the city of houston looking forward to uh, and then i'm we got to head up to uh shipping up to that uh town in the northeast that the lakers don't like um, I can't even say it because you say it three times and you disappear. So 
anyway, heading up there and going to, um, you know, spend some time in, in the, in the Boston area, uh, working out of there for a little bit, a fly home back of, home of, uh, New Balance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'll fly back with you, uh, for, you know, broadcasting with the postseason get started. I'll fly back and make sure I'm around. Wait, I'm going with you. You said you're going to fly back with me. Yeah, fly to back to see you, me. Yeah. To be yeah. with you here to go to work. So, um, cause they're going to get in. So that's, what's up for me. And, um, looking forward to it. All right, everybody. Uh, that's going to do it for another extra basis with Bristol and booth. Make sure leave your comments, questions, uh, any problems, issues, concerns, leave them. We may, we may, we may, uh, react to them or we may not. Anyways, uh, for Jeremy, I'm Jason. And as always, thanks for listening to another extra bases with Bristol and booth. <laughs>